Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody, we are in Flushing, Queens. The Throwback League continues with a Sweet 16 battle of National League teams. It's a four seed, the 79 Pirates, led by Chuck Tanner. They've traveled in to play the 86 Mets, managed by Davey Johnson. Josh Lewin with you, and here we go with those 86 Mets again. A couple months ago, they got past the 1990 A's to advance. The 79 Pirates took care of the same team the actual 86 Mets did, the 86 Red Sox. Mookie Wilson, Bill Buckner, you've probably read the book or seen the movie. In this one, anything goes in a battle of really top right-handers with amazing curveballs. For the Mets, we're talking about the brash young Doc Gooden. For the Buckos, it is a native Dutchman, Rick Albert Blylevin, otherwise known as Bert. And to get you ready on what is a crisp autumn night here in New York, no cloud cover, the lights on, already taking effect now as the seven trains roll by. Let's bring in our pregame analyst now, Hall of Fame Sunday Night Baseball announcer John Miller. His recollections of those Metropolitans. We all remember the Mets winning that World Series and thinking, what a team. How could they not win it? But they, they almost didn't. But people tend to forget that they almost didn't get past the Houston Astros. And what a team that was. Nolan Ryan and Mike Scott. Mike Scott was the pitcher in uh, the National League that year. And... Uh, uh, but ultimately, they, they got past uh, Houston, and then they just got past the Red Sox. For a great team to have two amazing battles like that, uh, it, it underscored that there was some uh, there were some really good teams in the game that year. Uh, but the Mets could have Dwight Gooden one day, uh, or Ron Darling another day. Uh, great defense in the infield with uh, Keith Hernandez, the first baseman, being the, sort of the, the captain. Uh, one of the great defensive first basemen of all time. People think of him now. What a great broadcaster he is, and he truly is. But. Uh, he was the guy who ran the show, I think, not just in the clubhouse, but during the games. He's the guy who went to the mound. He's the guy who put on the plays, the bunt defenses, uh, the, whether they're going to do the, 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 the wheel play on a bunt, all this kind of stuff. And uh, so for me, not Daryl Strawberry or Dwight Gooden, who were the, the big stars, but Keith Hernandez, uh, to me, is the guy who was the, uh, the backbone of that team. Indeed. Thank you, John. And he brings up a great point. Keith Hernandez was the man who made things happen. You go to that classic NLCS that John referenced against the Astros. 
It was Hernandez who went to the mound from first base when Jesse Roscoe was trying to close things out in the bottom of the 14th with Kevin Bass at the plate. He told Roscoe, if you throw this guy anything other than a slider, I will kill you. And those 86 Mets, they didn't speak their minds. They got things done. Snapping necks and cashing checks, as the line goes for the movie Step Brothers. But before we go all in on the 86 champions, let us set up the visitors, the 79 Pirates, wearing their black and yellow tonight uh, with the polyester, the 1970s finest Chuck Tanner's team. The Sister Sledge Disco Chestnut We Are Family is their anthem. And the Never Say Die 79 Pirates battled through a grueling season and a very tough World Series to get it done as world champions. They, in 1978, had come from 15 and a half games back only to lose the pennant on the last Saturday of the season. A real thrilling end to 78 that did not go their way. So Chuck Tanner's prescription to get it done in 79 is, hey, everybody's got to have a career year all at the same time. And that's pretty much what happened. They won the NL East by just two games over Montreal. Hall of Famer and a season co-MVP, Willie Stargell, 32 home runs, a lot of them game winners. The right fielder, Dave Parker, hit 310, 25 home runs. Phil Garner, the second baseman, hit 293. Tim Foley, 291 in short. Bill Madlock, four-time batting champion, he hit 328. Yeah, the very fleet of foot, Omar Moreno, he stole 77 bases as a center fielder. And a great bullpen. Kent DeColvey led the team and the league with 94 appearances. And with Chuck Tanner making full use of his pitching staff, you know, that 79 team, the only team in baseball history to take a World Series home without boasting a 15-game winner. National League playoff against the Reds, a sweep. Stargell winning the first game with a three-round homer in the 11th, and the Pirates just never looked back. Another homer, 455 average, earning Stargell MVP honors in that NLCS. And then on to Baltimore for the Orioles in the World Series which was a repeat of the 1971 Fall Classic. And this time, the Orioles with all the sluggers like Eddie Murray, Ken Singleton, they had their three 20-game winners, guys like Jim Palmer. In Game 1, played in a rain-soaked Memorial Stadium in Baltimore. Phil Garner would grumble afterwards. The ball was like a bar of soap. And, indeed, he made a big error in that game. Well, he started to homer, but it was too little too late. Five to four O's in the series. Game 2 was tied 2-2 in the ninth. And Chuck Tanner calling on notoriously bad ball hitting backup catcher Manny Sangui on the pinch hit. He delivered and Ott scoring the winning run 3-2 Pirates series tied one game apiece. So the Pirates back home and a frigid Friday night and included a long rain delay. A relentless Oriole attack. Orioles taking it 8-4. They're up in the series two games to one. Game four, Stargell another home run. And the Bucks scoring a six-pack should have been fine, but the Orioles just hit and hit and hit. They scored nine, and it was three games to one Baltimore. So Tanner, with his team facing elimination, gives the ball to Jim Rooker, who pitched what could safely be called the game of his life. Because on the really with a series on the line, he just stopped the Orioles cold. All that hitting the game before, he threw four hitless innings before he ended up giving up the, the lone run in the fifth. The curveball master, Burt Blylevin, four shutout innings in relief, and the Pirates scoring seven times down the stretch to ice the game. So now it was down to three games to two Baltimore. They go back to Baltimore with John Candelaria on the mound. Shut him out. Just brilliant stuff. Kent Ticolby coming on for the final three outs. 4 nothing Pittsburgh series all tied up 3-3. And in game seven, 
A very colorful look, orange and black against black and yellow. Baltimore taking a one-run lead in the third, but the Pirates answering with two in the sixth on, you bet, another Stargell home run. And by the bottom of the ninth, it was 4-1 to one for the Buccos, and when Pat Kelly flied out to Omar Moreno, it was Tacolby leaping in the air to celebrate the, the world's championship flag was there, his fifth time in team history. Willie Stargell, three home runs total in that series. That was his third MVP, 1979. Phil Garner, 12 hits in that World Series. He was 12 for 24. And, uh, well, the Pirates, after being down three games to one, they did find a way. In a season where Willie Mays went to the Hall of Fame, where the Twins traded Rod Carew to the California Angels for Ken Landro, and Dave Engel, Paul Hartzell, and Brad Havens, there was a uh, very early no-hitter with the Astros' Ken Forsh getting it done against the Braves. His brother, Bob, had turned in a no-hitter the previous year, so the first big league brothers to each get a no-hitter. July 12th of that year, that was Disco Demolition Night at Comiskey Park in Chicago. The Tigers won the first game of the doubleheader 4-1, to one, but then thousands of young fans swarming out of the field between games of the doubleheader. They damaged the field. Mayhem throughout, you know, young people. White Sox are forced to forfeit that second game. And, uh, well, there was some mayhem after the season two, October 23rd. Billy Martin, then the Yankees manager. He wasn't, then he was, then he wasn't, then he was. He got into the barroom fight with a guy named Joseph Cooper, the marshmallow salesman from Minnesota. Six days after that, Billy Martin fired once again, Dick Hauser taking over. That was a season, 1979, where... Keith Hernandez won the National League batting title. We'll hear from him a little bit later in this game. Fred Lynn won that batting title over in the AL. Your home run champions, Gorman Thomas and Dave Kingman in the two leagues. Mike Flanagan, the 23-win season for the Orioles and a Cy Young. Both Negroes winning 21 games in the National League to lead the way. Joe and Phil for Houston and Atlanta, respectively. It was Houston's J.R. Richard with the best National League ERA and Ron Guidry in the AL. Should we get you to the Pirates lineup? I thought you'd never ask. 1979, as Chuck Tanner leads him out. In the leadoff spot, the center fielder Omar Moreno. Bill Madlock at third. Dave Parker in right. Willie Stargell at first. Bill Robinson in left field. Ed Ott is the catcher. Rennie Stennett starts out at second base. Garner will be able to come off the bench. Tim Foley is the shortstop. And Burt Blylevin pitching, batting number nine. So, with the Pirates out of the way... Let us meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Step right up and greet the Mets. Davey Johnson, their manager, and they all but guaranteed that they would win it all in spring training. That was because Davey Johnson said so. They had probably been the best team in the National League the year before, but they did not overtake St. Louis. They missed their chance to play in October. So the tweaks that were made before the season even began. General manager Frank Cashin bringing in Tim Tuffle, the right-hand hitting infielder from the Twins. That was a compliment to Wally Backman. And Bobby Ojeda, the left-handed pitcher coming over from the Red Sox, he would be huge in that rotation. The Mets adding them to an existing veteran core, along with former MVPs George Foster and Mr. Keith Hernandez. You had the veteran catcher Gary Carter, Mookie Wilson on the team. Uh, and with all those acquisitions and with what was already there, dominance indeed predicted. And for once, the pundits were absolutely right. 
dominate. They did. They won the division by double digits. Gooden dominated opening day. The team began 7-3 and three and just kept on cooking from there. They went on the road and swept St. Louis. That's the team they needed to really dominate or at least establish against. It was a four-game sweep in April in St. Louis, and that set the tone for sure. An 11-game win streak soon followed. The Mets were more than on their way. By May 10th, they were 20-4. and Soon after that, 31-12. and They would end up with 108 wins. They would win exactly two out of three all the way. And they finished 21 and a half games in front of second place Philadelphia. 108-54, the best record of any team during the 1980s. Elsewhere in 1986, you know, you look at the postseason awards, no love for the Mets. MVP Mike Schmidt in the National League. It was Roger Clemens in the AL. Roger Clemens is Cy Young Award winner in the AL. Mike Scott in the National League. One-time Mets property. Rookies of the Year was Jose Canseco in the American League. Todd Worrell, the closer for the Cardinals in the National League. Managers of the Year, John McNamara of the Red Sox. Hal Lanier of the Astros. Both those managers had their teams knocked out by, you got it, the, the fighting Metropolitans. Pop culture of 86, all the Chicago Bears were Super Bowl champions, Boston Celtics, Montreal Canadiens in basketball and hockey, Devon Lendl and Boris Becker on top of the tennis world, in college Penn State would win it all in football, Louisville in basketball, top song was That's What Friends Are For by Dion Warwick, Elton John, Gladys Knight, Stevie Wonder, seemed like everybody else was in on that too. Big movies included Top Gun, Crocodile Dundee, Platoon. Top 10 TV shows. Want to go 1 through 10? Cosby Show, Family Ties, Cheers, Murder, She Wrote, The Golden Girls. So it's NBC with all the top five before 60 Minutes wedges in there at number six. NBC right back with Night Court at number seven. Growing Pains at eight. Moonlighting. Yeah, Dave and Maddie. Number nine. And Tony Danza sneaking in there at number 10 for ABC. Who's the boss? Who's the boss in that Mets dugout? We mentioned it is none other than the mustache Davey Johnson with that omnipresent blue satin jacket around him. And he has submitted this lineup card tonight. Leading off in center field, it's Lenny Dykstra. Wally Backman at second. Keith Hernandez at first. Gary Carter, the catcher. Daryl Strawberries in right. Mookie Wilson in left. Ray Knight is the veteran third baseman. Rafael Santana, probably a weak link. He is a shortstop hitting eight. Good glove man, but he... It's around 210 every year. Doc Gooden is the pitcher batting number nine. The good doctor. 17 and 6, 12 complete games. That's a down year from what he had the year before. 2.84 ERA, just the third best ERA on the team among the starters. They had Darling at 281. We mentioned Bobby O, 2.57 with 18 wins. But all five starters with ERAs in the twos and threes, the top relievers, same story. Roger McDowell. 14 wins, 22 saves, 3.02. Jesse Orozco, 8 wins, 21 saves, and a 2.3 ERA. All the attention, though, is still on Dwight Gooden. He was the youngest ever recipient of the Cy Young Award, and there was uh, even media speculation about Gooden's Hall of Fame prospects all as he turned 21. If you descended the steps of the side entrance to Penn Station, roll on into Manhattan, you're, you're greeted by an enormous photograph of Gooden in mid-motion, recording his season strikeout totals as the year progressed. And likewise, if you strolled on over to the west side of Manhattan, you can look up at the 102-foot-tall Sports Illustrated mural of Dwight Gooden painted on the side of a building. 
over by Times Square, and the, the caption asked, how does it feel to look down the barrel of a loaded gun? Because in a span of 50 starts, middle of August 84 to early May of 86, how about 37 and 5 with a 1.38 ERA? Better than a strikeout per inning. That is how it feels to look down the barrel of a loaded gun. 200 strikeouts in 86. That was just fifth in the National League. He was more than 100 behind Mike Scott of the Astros. More on him coming up. But uh, Gooden, the ace going into the playoffs, and he started out promisingly. He lost a 1-0 duel with Scott in the NLCS opener. No decision in Game 5, but that was 10 innings of one-run ball. Not as good in the World Series. Didn't get past the fifth inning in either of his two starts, but the Mets did win four of the five non-Gooden starts and, of course, the championship. And that championship celebration, Doc would famously not be there. Uh, he would later admit after his retirement that uh, during the parade he'd actually been using drugs at his dealer's apartment. So, uh, very sad. He was arrested in December of 86 back in his hometown of Tampa, there was uh, some assaults on, on both ends there. He was assaulted by police. But uh, report clearing police of misconduct kind of helped start the Tampa riots of 1987. They loved Doc Gooden, and obviously nobody likes police brutality. Rumors of substance abuse, though, were rising and then confirmed because there was a positive test for Coke in 1987. Spring training, he entered rehab. Didn't make his first start of 87 until June. Still won 15 games for the 87 Mets, but we will keep it here in 86 before all the, the ugliness. It was baseball like it ought to be in 1986. That was the appropriate slogan for the Mets, as it turned out. With the ubiquitous songs like Wild Boys and We Will Rock You blaring on the Shea Stadium PA. And, of course, Let's Go Mets. Except right now, because Omar Moreno is in and ready. It's Let's Go Buckos. And Moreno, boy, if he gets on, he goes. 77 stolen bases. First pitch is a curve. It slipped into the dirt by Gooden. Ball one. Omar Moreno, a Panama native, played in all 162 games in 79. A staggering 757 trips to the plate. He scored 110 runs. Dave Parker, by the way, scored 109. As Moreno swings and fouls one right at the plate, one and one, right in front of the catcher, Gary Carter. Elsewhere defensively, Keith Hernandez, gold glove caliber at first. You've got Backman at second, Santana at short. Knight is in at third. Outfield is Mookie Wilson, Lenny Dykstra, Daryl Strawberry. And Moreno, wearing number 18, chokes up on the bat a good couple inches, has his front foot slightly in the air as he gets ready. You know, leans out across the plate, peeking over that front shoulder at Gooden, who blazes in a fastball high. It's 2-1. and one. Mets in the home white with the blue pinstripes, the blue and orange trim. And the Pirates with the black pants, yellow racing stripes up the side, bright yellow stirrups on Moreno, matching the yellow jersey and the yellow batting helmet. Pitch from Gooden, that's high with a fastball, 3-1. and one. And you don't want to walk the speedy Omar Moreno. He'll lead the National League in stolen bases in 78 and 79. And in 1980, the Pirates' single-season record for stolen bases, 96, will be that total. As he takes it, it's a strike on the outside edge, 3-2. and two. Those 96 steals in 1980... That's the most by a player not to lead the majors in steals. 
Ron LaFleur edged him out, stealing 97. Moreno eventually will become a free agent, go on to those Houston Astros. Payoff pitch on the way from Gooden is rolled on the ground towards second, then comes back to play it quickly over to first to get the speedy Moreno, one up, one down. And it brings up the Mad Dog, not Mike and the Mad Dog here in New York, just Mad Dog, Bill Madlock, right-hand batter, hitting 328 this year. Only seven home runs, though, 44 runs batted in. Former Ranger, Cub, and Giant, future Dodger and Tiger, but basically half of his big league at bats as a Pirate in a 15-year career. Fastball to him is outside, 1-0. Madlock will end with a career batting average of 305, one of the top 150 batting averages of all time. Ahead of guys like Tony Oliva and Pete Rose, on par with George Brett and Hank Aaron. Mentioned there's a strong bench for the Pirates. Phil Garner can come off the bench here in this one. Lee Lacey, John Milner, one time met. Mike the Hitman Eastler. Next pitch, big curve, a strike. It's one and one. To a four-time National League batting champion. Four is a third baseman. No one would do that until Wade Boggs in the American League. This is a guy who ends up winning back-to-back -back batting titles. Here's the pitch. Fastball hit on the ground to short. There's Santana gliding a little bit to his left and throws to first two out. No score in the top of the first, and here comes Dave Parker. 310 hitter, 25 home runs with speed. He's got 20 steals this year. Essentially what Daryl Strawberry is doing for the Mets in 86, Parker's doing for the Pirates in 79, but with about 40 fewer strikeouts and a much higher batting average. Left-hand batter swings and fouls it into the crowd. A fan with a dark mustache and a pair of acid-washed jeans making the catch on the fly. Nice job. Keith Hernandez, a little smile from his spot over there at first. And there's a tie-in with the man on deck, Willie Stargell and Keith Hernandez. Because this coming November, for the first time ever, co-MVPs. It's Hernandez of the Cardinals and Willie Stargell of the Pirates. So the 1979 Pirates have won or shared... All four MVP awards for the season, All-Star Game, National League Championship Series, World Series, National League Regular Season. 0-1 pitch from Gooden, that's too low. With a curved ball, 1-1 one one the count now. To the Cobra, three-time Gold Glove winner too, so it's not just the 2,712 career hits. Parker helping the Pirates get to that 1979 World Series by taking down his hometown Cincinnati Reds in that sweep of the NLCS. Pitch is high for ball two now. Dave Parker grew up right near Old Crosley Field where he learned to play baseball in the stadium's parking lots, basically. His favorite sport was football, though. He was a tailback, very good one, but hurt his knee during his senior year. He used to go up against Pete Rose in high school, Pete playing for Western Hills High. Here's a 2-1, fastball that is called outside. Three balls and a strike now to Parker. Willie Stargell on deck, warming up with that sledgehammer. 
Most batters use a simple lead-weighted bat. Stargell and Parker both use that sledgehammer instead. That is intimidating, although I'm, I'm not sure Dwight Gooden very much cares. He can be intimidating himself. Rock on the rubber, here's the pitch. Fastball slashed in a right, that's a base hit. It lands at the feet of Daryl Strawberry, who always plays very deep. Getting it back in, and with two out, the base runner for Willie Stargell. 39 years old now, they call him Pops. 32 home runs, 82 runs batted in, team leading numbers. And a longtime Met killer, originally born in Oklahoma, would go on to move to Florida, and then on to Alameda, California, to live with his mom. He attended Ensenal High School out there, where he played with Tommy Harper and Kurt Moten. What a team that was. Good and pouring in a strike, fastball on the outside edge. It's nothing in one. Willie Stargell, so beloved in Pittsburgh for his style of play, handing out the Stargell stars, a very affable manner. Of the 18 balls ever hit over old Forbes Field's 86-foot high right field stands, seven of those 18 were from Stargell. And yes, 86 is in play here as the 86 Mets are in the field. There's a fastball strike again. Nothing in two to Stargell, who will step out. Willie Stargell, although his autograph suggests he prefers his given name of Wilver. Biographer Frank Garland relates that uh, Stargell's family and friends called him Wilver. And the Hall of Fame Dodger broadcaster Vin Scully always made a point of using Stargell's given name. Scully said that because he, he used the name Wilver. He became Willie Stargell's mom's favorite broadcaster. Curve is in the dirt, it's one and two. Stargell, six foot three, he's got those long arms, that unique bat handling practice. He holds only the knob of the bat with his lower hand to get that extra bat extension. 2,232 hits, so there's something to that. 475 home runs. Parker, the man at first with the lead right now, 2,712 hits, 339 home runs. So that's some kind of back-to-back -back pop for the Pirates here. Combined 5,000 hits just about and more than 800 home runs. Parker the lead from first. No score first inning. Here's a one-two pitch. Swing and a miss, strike three. Doc Gooden breaks off that huge curveball, and the Pirates fail to score. No runs on the one hit, one man left. Middle of the first inning, the 79 Pirates nothing, the 86 Mets coming up. Let's keep it in 1979 and pause for this. Have some breakfast. Uh, I'll have what you're eating. Corn checks. I won't have what you're eating. Oh, try them. I won't like them. Well, give me one reason. They're too crispy? I don't know. They're too light? I don't know. Oh, you don't like little squares? I don't know. Well, maybe you don't like the color of the box. Okay, I'll try it. Uh. Not bad, Dad. Corn chicks are really tasty. Oh, I thought you didn't like them. I never tried them. I never tried them. People who don't like Czech cereals have never tried Czech cereals. Ragu introduces its newest taste in spaghetti sauce in years. Ragu classic combinations. There's one with sausage and peppers. That's some sauce. Another with mushrooms and onions. Third with 
onions and peppers. Mmm, that's some combination. New ragu classic combinations. That's Italian. Okay, you've heard about breakfast cereal and spaghetti sauce. Now, how about some coffee? As for something you can really get into, we suggest all the time here at the Throwback League, you check out the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, the most perfectly blended coffee on either side of the great USA, and even here near Queens now. They've got a spot in Brooklyn if you want to check them out. But since 1963, a year after the Mets were formed, the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, they've been bringing you the finest coffees and teas from all around the world. With responsibly sourced ingredients and handcrafted coffees and teas, the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf is an experience like no other. Another curveballer on the mound here for the Pirates. This is Burt Blylevin warming up. 1979, the third of his four years with Pittsburgh, and not his best by any means. 12 and 5 with 20 no decisions, ERA of 3.6. The year before, he had 14 wins instead of 12, ERA of 3.03. Blylevin, the former twin Texas Ranger, will move on to Cleveland, Minnesota, and the Angels eventually. His Hall of Fame career ending in 1992 at the age of 41. 287 wins, nearly 5,000 innings pitched, a little more than 3,700 strikeouts. He only led the league once in strikeouts, 206 of them in 85, split between Cleveland and Minnesota. And only a two-time All-Star, believe it or not. Never won a Cy Young, but did finish third in the balloting twice over in the American League. In 84, behind two relievers, Willie Hernandez and Dan Quisenberry. And in 85, behind Brett Saberhagen and Ron Guidry. The year Gooden won the, the Cy Young unanimously in the National League was 85. There was Blylevin at least coming close in the AL. Mets trying to get Doc Gooden some runs right here. Lenny Dykstra leads off. 23-year-old left-hander, 295 hitter, eight home runs. And Blylevin bends in a curve. It's called strike one. And already some displeasure from Dykstra. Spits and steps out of the box. Does so right in front of Ed Ott, the catcher. Omar Moreno out there in center, flanked by Dave Parker in right. And Bill Robinson in left. Willie Stargell's at first in this one. Rennie Stennett at second. Tim Foley at short. And Bill Madlock over there at third. He is well off the line. Next pitch, a fastball outside. It's one and one. 338 down the lines here at Shea. Those markings on a bright blue wall out there. 378 to the alleys. It is 400 to dead center. Next pitch, a curve too low. Two and one to the Californian. Dykstra wearing number four on his back. And from an LA Times article in 1986, playing his own ultra-aggressive game, which some have compared to a young Pete Rose, the pocket-sized Dykstra has emerged from a cloud of blood, sweat, and dirt to pull off one of the season's biggest apple polishes. Thanks for swinging here. He fouls the curveball this time to the right side, two and two. The New York fans appreciate anyone who plays hard. When Dykstra makes an out, he throws his helmet on the ground or slams down his bat or both. He tries hard. He's not intimidated. And there was that night a woman in a white wedding gown paraded these aisles of Shea Stadium holding a sign that said, Marry Me Lenny. Which he did not. The pitch is swung on. It's popped up in foul ground, first base side. Willie Stargell is over. And near the guardrail makes the catch. And sure enough, Dykstra gets rid of that bat. 
in a very agitated manner. One down, here is Wally Backman, switch hitting second baseman. Had 124 hits here in 86, but 103 of them were singles, only one home run. 27 runs batted in, he takes outside from Blylevin 1-0. Backman, a one-time first-round draft pick from Beaverton, Oregon. Initially a part-time player, splitting time with guys like Bob Baylor and Brian Giles. Just a much better hitter from the left side. 306 batter. From the right side, 164. That's why there's the platoon with Tim Tuffle and that Tuffle shuffle at the plate. Next delivery is blooped into right field. That's going to drop. That is a base hit for Wally Backman. One of those poked singles. And the Mets have a one-out base runner now. Here comes their danger zone. If we can quote from the popular movie Top Gun. Here is Keith Hernandez, number three batter. Lefty hitting 310. 13 home runs and 83 runs batted in. Stripes on the side. He's got the team leading 34 doubles. Team best 94 walks against just 58 strikeouts. Backman the lead from first in a scoreless game. And the pitch is smoked towards second but caught. Right there is Rennie Stennett. Didn't even have to move. And Backman had to really quickly get back to first base. Stennett looked at him, didn't throw. So the inning left to Gary Carter. A 32-year-old hit 255 this year. 24 home runs and a team-best 105 runs batted in. That was a team-best by 12. 12 more than Daryl Strawberry. Pitch from Blylevin. Curve! Swung on and missed. It's nothing in one. And Gary Carter, only thought to be the missing piece, brought in last year from Montreal, right at the same time that the Yankees were landing Ricky Henderson across town. Uh, Carter coming over for Hubie Brooks, Mike Fitzgerald, Herm Winningham, and Floyd Yeomans. Ends up being a fine trade because Carter at that time already a seven-time All-Star. And that little extra that the Mets thought they needed just to round out what was already a terrific team. The pitch down in the dirt, one and one. It's a nice stop by Ed Ott kicking out that shin guard. Runner at first is Backman. He will eventually wear as a manager number eight when he gets hired by the Buffalo Bisons many years from now. And the reason he'll choose eight, that's his personal tribute to the man at the plate here, Gary Carter, who swings and fouls this one at the plate, one and two. Carter, universally known as Kid. Not the Kid, just Kid. Double-edged nickname for baseball's Peter Pan, a salute and a ridicule kind of expressed all in one. I gotta say, I never caught the irony when I was a teenager following the Mets. I thought Kid was the perfect nickname for him because that's what he played like, just a, like a happy little kid. Taking here and it's outside, two and two. And you know, an underrated reason that the mid-80s Mets had the best pitching staff in the league I think it was Gary Carter. Runner at third, every pitcher had the freedom to throw his best slider, best curve, safe in the knowledge that Carter wouldn't let it get by him. I mean, how many times did Doc Gooden throw that big curveball with a runner at third base? And would he be doing it 
as often if the catcher was still Junior Ortiz or Mike Fitzgerald. I don't think so. Backman extends the lead a bit. Now the rock on the rubber and the pitch. Swing, high fly ball, deep into left center. This ball taking off. This ball gone, Gary Carter. It is a two-run home run. The Mets grab the lead. It's 2-0. Now Burt Blylevin, a record 50 home runs allowed in 1986. Next year that number will be 46. That's 96 homers allowed in two years. And Gary Carter takes him out here. Apple having come up out of its casing there in center field at Shea. The Mets are on top. And here is another power hitting threat. Here is Daryl Strawberry. 27 home runs to go with 28 stolen bases. Cost of that, though, 141 strikeouts. Mookie Wilson next on the team with 72. Blylevin deals a swing and a miss. It's nothing in one. But the guy who was drafted first overall in 1980, Daryl's older brother, Michael Strawberry, also selected in that draft. He went to the Dodgers in the 31st round. 2-0 New York in the next pitch. In for a strike. Clipped in there at the knees. 0-2. Daryl Strawberry with a very distinctive batting stance. Has that high leg kick. Very quick rise through the Mets minor league system. Rookie of the year in 84. Made it to the All-Star game in 84. The first of eight straight All-Star appearances. Next pitch from Blylevin. Fouled. Dribbling up the first baseline, it's 0-2. Here's one for you. Daryl Strawberry, one of only three players in Major League history to have played for all four of the former and current New York-based teams. Mets, Yankees, Dodgers, Giants. You can put Ricky Lede on that list and Jose Vizcaino, too. Blylevin with the sign from Ott. And now the pitch. Swung on and missed strike three. He got him with the curve. And the inning is over. But Gary Carter comes through. Two-run shot. End of one. 86 Mets on top. Two-nothing. Let's keep it here in 1986. Yo, bartender. What's your pleasure, friend? Now, ask me what do you have. Another one? Okay, I'm ready for you. What do you have? All right. Clear, strong flavor. What do you have? All American. Original robust beer. Only Nature's Choices products provide the flavor people prize most. Pabst won its Blue Ribbon as America's favorite beer in 1893, and it's still winning people over today. So when someone asks you what you have, you know what to say. A sing. All I want is clear, strong flavor. All I need is all American flavor. Straight ahead, changed is what I savor. In Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. Thanks, Martin. Now you know what I always have. If I ever forget, that neon path blue ribbon sign on the back of your jacket should remind me. Josh Lewin with you as the Mets continue to lead it by the score of 2-0. They've got Doc Gooden on the mound for a very special New York Mets team. The year it all came together. We talked about the greatness in the rotation, not just Gooden, but guys like Bobby Ojeda and Ron Darling. Talk to Ron Darling 
before this throwback league game about what exactly made the 86 version of the Mets so special? Well, I, I think, um, you know, 84 was the foundation. 85 was a 98-win uh, team that didn't go to the postseason. But um, I, I think in 86, it just wasn't. It was never a feeling. It, was, it, it wasn't ever what if. It was when. And uh, we just... We just knew it. Now, that does, I mean, if it wasn't for some lucky bounces, we don't win the World Series. But uh, that team going into spring training never, ever felt as though, um, boy, you know, let's kick it in the gear and this or that. That was just a foregone conclusion. We knew we would do it. We knew we were going to win a ton of games. We didn't know we were going to win 108. And it was the only team I played on. I played on some good teams. Um, that, And this was... Uh, only way I I got it, and the guys might disagree. They don't only want to beat you; uh, they want to embarrass you. And uh, I've never played on a team like that in any sport, whether it was as a kid or or a professional sport. Um, if it was six to three in the seventh, they want to finish ten to three. Um, if they were beating you three to nothing, uh, uh, and the pitcher was shutting you out, uh, he wanted to strike out the last six. You know, it, it was just that kind of uh, ball club with a with a killer instinct that I had never been around before. Thanks very much to the always affable Ron Darling. And with Burt Blylevin on the mound the other way, we can talk about how there are two really good announcers featured in this game. And Burt Blylevin for the Minnesota Twins, still getting it done circling people on the air and whatnot. Let's move ahead to some further action in this one. Still 2-0. We'll go to the bottom of the third. Dykstra, single to right center. Backman pops to short. Hernandez, a double to the gap in left center. Dykstra scores 3-0. There's another great broadcaster for you in Keith Hernandez. Gary Carter, who would have been terrific at that, too. May he rest in peace. He bangs a single in the center. Hernandez scores ahead of the throw in from Moreno. Hernandez avoiding the tag from the catcher, Ed Ott. 4 nothing Mets before Blylevin recovers. He gets Strawberry on a pop-out. Mookie Wilson on a grounder to first. Handled cleanly behind the bag. It did not get through Willie Stargell. Gooden cruising. A two-hit shutout into the bottom of the fifth. Why don't we pick it up there? It's now 4 nothing New York. Blylevin still on the mound. He's facing Dykstra, who is one for two. And we'll talk some more about Doc Gooden, even though it is Blylevin pitching it now. Doc Gooden unleashed at the age of 19 in 1984. 276 strikeouts, essentially as a teenager. That amazing curveball. Speaking of curves, here's one to Dykstra, and it's in for a strike, nothing in one. Doc Gooden, the NL pitching triple crown in 85. 24 wins, the 153 ERA, 268 strikeouts. Winning 20 at age 20. And the worst he was all year, he was 6-3, 1.89 at one point. That was low ebb. From Memorial Day on, 18-1 with a 1.39 in 200 innings of work. Pitch from Blylevin in for a strike, and Dykstra doesn't like it. He will pout, step out of the box. He's down in the count 0-2 with the Mets still on top, though, here at Shea. Dykstra with that curly, kind of reddish-blonde hair poking out from under that blue batting helmet. A lot of chewing tobacco in his cheek. He's ready. And the pitch to him. 
Swing and a miss, strike three. That was a fastball that took care of him. Not a good at bat for Len Dykstra. 4-0 Mets, though, and here comes Backman. It was Backman off the bench in the 86 NLCS. It was big. He started the Game 3 rally with a drag bunt and would knock in the winning run in Game 6. Blylevin's pitch is looped outside the curveball, 1-0. Backman eventually will move from the Mets to the Twins and not performing very well there, hitting 231 and 89. Then he'll go on to sign with these Pittsburgh Pirates. And he mostly backed up Jeff King at third. They had the slick fielding Jose Leaned at second base. Pitch on the way. That is hit in the air towards second base. A little bit beyond now. Back on the ball is Stennett. Right fielder coming on. Dave Parker's got it. In shallow right center. So two down. 4-0 New York. Here's Keith Hernandez, whose dad played ball with Stan Musial when they were both in the Navy during World War II. Keith and his dad didn't always get along, but his dad kind of got him out of a slump last year. His dad would obsess over all of Keith Hernandez's at-bats on TV, and he noted that when Keith was hitting well, he could see both the, the numbers one and seven on his uniform on the back as he began to stride into the pitch. And not seeing both those numbers on TV, Dad said that meant Keith was bailing out on inside pitches, trying too hard to pull the ball. Became vulnerable to the outside fastball or an inside breaking pitch. So he fixed that up. Had a really nice 85 and a terrific 86. Takes a breaking ball outside. It's 1-0. Keith didn't actually have much of an 86 World Series. He recorded the second out in uh, the now legendary 10th inning of Game 6. But in Game 7, that was his breakthrough against the lefty Bruce Hurst. Hurst had shut out the Mets into the 6th, but Keith came through with a clutch two-run single. Drove in another very important run his next time up. He takes low here, 2-0. On this Mets World Championship team in 86, Hernandez and the man on deck, Gary Carter, finishing third and fourth in the MVP balloting. Next delivery to Keith. Swing and a base hit in a right field. Line drive, a single that Dave Parker will get back in. The irony there is Parker picks this ball up correctly. In 86, there was the, the famous game where Ray Knight fought Eric Davis in Cincinnati. The Mets coming back to win that game after Dave Parker dropped a fly ball to right hit by Keith Hernandez in the top of the ninth inning. Parker, of course, uh, Cincinnati red then. Anyway, two runs scored. The game was tied. Crazy game that saw... Roger McDowell and Jesse Orozco alternating between pitching and playing the outfield. Gary Carter played some third base. And speaking of Carter, here he is. The frizzy-haired catcher already with two hits tonight, including a home run. He'll take this one high. It's 1-0. Carter, very durable. He'll catch at least 85% of his team's games nine straight years. Great leader. We've talked about how when he's behind the plate, there's just no question as to who's in charge. And that positivity, just such an engaging personality, so upbeat. Outward displays of enthusiasm, doesn't hold it back. 
ready and waiting here. He swings at a deep fly ball center field. Has he done it again? Moreno back. Moreno back. This ball gone. He did it again. It's another two-run home run for Gary Carter. His third hit overall in this game. Six to nothing Mets. And Carter against fly 11 for real. A career 295 hitter. One home run in 42 at-bats. But here tonight, how about two home runs in three at-bats? That's another great thing about Gary Carter. Against some of the great ones, he had tremendous numbers. Against Steve Carlton, a career 309 hitter, 11 home runs in 110 at-bats. OPS of close to 1,100 against Steve Carlton. That's going to be it for Blylevin, it appears. He has now given up six runs. Jim Bibby is ready to come out of the bullpen. And the final line on Blylevin, four and two-thirds innings. Eight hits, six runs, all or no walks, only three strikeouts. And let's tell you what happens from here. The Pirates will spoil the Doc Gooden shutout bid in the top of the sixth. Moreno with a single and a stolen base, even down six. He got that great lead and said, why not? Bill Madlock, shallow fly out to center. Parker lines a single to right. Strawberry's throw is too late to get the speedy Moreno. That makes it 6-1. to one. But Stargell and Bill Robinson both strike out on curveballs in the dirt. The hook from the good doctor. And the good doctor stayed on point. 6-1, to one, it continued. Gooden looking for the complete game. And in the top of the ninth, he strikes out Stargell for a third time to bring up Bill Robinson, future Mets hitting coach, who had already struck out three times himself in this game. A ground out to Backman for out number two. And with the fans on their feet and the K-count placard numbering a reasonable eight for the night, now the final out is a catcher, Mr. Ott, on a fly ball out to Mookie Wilson. So it's good and all the way with 109 pitches, nine innings, six hits, one run, no walks, eight strikeouts. Big Jim Bibby finishing up the final three and a third for the Pirates, walking none, striking out three. But good and the winner, Blylevin the loser, the two-homer, five-RBI game for Gary Carter. And he, I guess, is the man of the match, even though Doc Gooden pitched so well. Final line score in this one. Six runs, 11 hits, no errors for the 86 Mets to eliminate the 79 Pirates, who had the one run, six hits, and one error. So, the 86 Mets are in the Elite Eight against the number three seed, the 2005 Chicago White Sox. That game to be played right around Thanksgiving. Next week, though, a couple of upstarts. Got a couple of upstart winners. We expected a two-seed and a three-seed coming out of this corner of the bracket. Instead, we've got a seven against an 11. The 85 Royals get the home game. They'll take on the 95 Cleveland Indians as Brett Saberhagen and Oral Hershiser go head-to-head on the AstroTurf there in Kansas City. Don't forget to check out the website. All the box scores are up there. Check out the brackets. It's thethrowbackleague.com. You can follow us on Twitter as well, at thethrowbacklg. This is Josh Lewin. Once again, Doc Gooden and Gary Carter combined to help make it 86 Mets 6 and the 79 Pirates 1. Thanks again for listening. Bye-bye.